Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I apologize for both of these episodes coming out a day late, but as usual, you've got two in your feed right now. This is the AFC South preview that you're listening to. And on this show, I'll have my final bold take of the off season for fantasy football. It's going to be a good one. So go check it out. And then I'll talk AFC South on this show. And then on the AFC West show, which I actually recorded before this one, uh, that's where we talked some news and I had a good very, very good guest on that show. So make sure to check it out. It was a lot of fun talking with him. And so you'll want to hear that next week, next Monday, I will have the week one fantasy football preview for you guys. I'll recap all 10 of my bold takes on that show as well. So make sure to go check that out. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this show. Welcome to another edition of the Second in Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, here with you as always. And in today's show, we're talking AFC South for fantasy football in 2021. This is the last week that you guys are getting divisional preview shows, two in your feed right now. Go check them both out. And um, for this time, the AFC, the, the show that is releasing, or I guess they're technically releasing at the same time, but this time, the show that shows up in your feed second is actually the one that was recorded first. So this one was recorded after the AFC West show. So I can tell you that that one was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, so go check that one out as well after you're done hearing this one. So got my bold take on today's show. Going to talk some AFC South. And I guess we can dive right into it. So my final bold take for the offseason is here. And I was trying to decide this one for a bit. It was hard for me to decide. Not, I mean, I will admit that after doing nine of these bold takes, all of which I would say are pretty darn bold. So I'll be happy if I get a few of these correct. I've got one last one left and I'm starting to run out of ideas. So it did take me a little bit to find an idea, but I think I've got a good one. I'm trying to get one for this last bold take that I know. I mean, that, that I, not that I know will be correct. I'm not trying to like, I'm not 100% sure that this will be correct, but I feel like this is a relatively safe pick to make. And uh, yeah, and I sort of actually uh, did it went th- brought the threshold for it a little bit down. I'll explain. Basically, my take is Ryan Fitzpatrick will be a top 14 fantasy quarterback next year. I didn't say top 15. I wanted to make it even bolder because he's my quarterback 14 and he's the quarterback 19 on fantasy pros. So I just wanted to make it as bold as I possibly could to get as much space between that ranking as I could. But I would say this is a pretty bold take. It shouldn't be, though. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a great quarterback. Uh, or not a great quarterback, but a great quarterback for fantasy. And he has shown it over the years, especially last year in Miami. He was putting up consistent fantasy numbers. So when he's in Washington now, he's got Terry McLaurin to throw to, Curtis Samuel, De'Ami Brown, Logan Thomas, all sorts of wide receivers. And yeah, he'll be ready to be really, really good. The football team just announced actually that he's going to start for week one and presumably the entire season. So I believe Ryan Fitzpatrick will be a top 14 fantasy quarterback and a guy, he's a guy that you should definitely go ahead and draft. He's going very, very late in drafts um, at quarterback 19. He's practically free. He loves to push the ball downfield. He's got plenty of weapons, arguably definitely more than he had in Miami. And even in Miami, he was putting up a lot of production. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick was a guy that you could rely on week in and week out last year. And his overall finish wasn't that high. It was QB 28 because he only played 10 games and Tua Tagovailoa um, played some of them. But 
when Ryan Fitzpatrick was actually playing week one, he had like a very, very bad start, but then weeks two through six, every week after that, he had 18 or more fantasy points and excluding the one game with 18, he had, so for those six weeks, basically he had over 23 fantasy points. So Ryan Fitzpatrick was actually doing good things for your team at the beginning of the year. And this was with the dolphins weapons with Devonte Parker and Mike Kosicki. They didn't have Will Fuller or Jalen Waddle, obviously. So, and Fitzpatrick was still the QB eight. He can do that in Washington. He will consistently get you points. I have him in SFB, the Scott Fishbowl. Um, I'm very, very excited for him and hoping he goes off in week one against the Chargers and helps prove me right. So Ryan Fitzpatrick will be a top 14 fantasy quarterback next year. I probably would have felt a little bit safer about top 15, given that he is my number 14 fantasy quarterback. But you know what? It's bold. I'm going bold for the last one. I don't want to make myself look bad by trying to get like a safe one. So when as bold as possible. All right. AFC South preview. Let's start with the Houston Texans, probably the worst team in football. Uh, let's start with this question. Is Brandon cooks a value right now? And this one's tough. I have Brandon cooks as my wide receiver 29. I could easily see Brandon cooks finishing higher than wide receiver 29. He just, with this quarterback play, he doesn't have a lot of potential. He consistently has gotten yards year in and year out, a ton of a thousand yard seasons in his career. He is currently on fantasy pros, the wide receiver 34. So I guess I would say he's a bit of a value. He can get you wide receiver two weeks, but there's not much upside outside of like, I don't think he can be much more than a top 20, top 18 receiver borderline and guys ahead of him, like Will Fuller, Devonte Smith, Brandon Ayuk have a lot more upside than cooks. So I would say he's a bit of a value, but he's a guy you'll want to maybe play as like a part-time flex with maybe a high upside guy like Javante Williams, for example, or maybe a wide receiver too, with some a high upside guys sitting on your bench. Um, that would be a good strategy for Brandon cooks. I would say, who do you want to take from this running back room? I mean, the answer is probably nobody for most people, but I'll try to sort it out. I would say this is tough for me in my rankings. I'm going to say it's going to be Philip Lindsay and Mark Ingram. It's hard for me to order them exactly which way I would want them. I think, I guess I'll take Lindsay one spot higher than Ingram, but Lindsay's at 37 Ingram's at 38 for me. And then David Johnson seems to have accepted at least in quotes that he's going to have a very limited role. He's my RB 57. So don't take David Johnson. I think we all assumed that it was a given that David Johnson would start, but he seems like the third stringer here. So if you're going to take someone, I think it would be Philip Lindsay for me. I just want to double check the fantasy pros rankings to see like based on a value. Uh, I guess David Johnson's the RB42, so I'm not doing that. Um, Philip Lindsay's the RB44, so I'll take it. And Mark Ingram is actually sitting down at RB65. So maybe he actually is actually the best value in this backfield. Last question for the Texans. Is any of their quarterbacks worth a shot? Chris would tell you Davis Mills. I would say nobody. Davis Mills is still a third-round rookie, and Tyrod Taylor hasn't done anything. There's no, there's no point. They'll be sitting on the waiver wire if you really, really want them. Let's talk Indianapolis Colts. Move on to an actually good team. How good is Jonathan Taylor going to be this year? He is definitely dealing with some offensive line injuries. Like, for example, Quentin Nelson hurt with that same injury that Carson Wentz had. But I think Nelson's not going to miss too much time, if any, at this point. So Jonathan Taylor is my running back nine. It's actually debatable for me between him and Saquon Barkley. I think for Taylor, it's just that he's not going to get the same amount of receptions he did with Phillip Rivers in town. And even when Philip rivers was there, he only had like in reception number totals in the thirties. Naheem Hines is the pass catching back here. And when it, with a guy like Carson Wentz, who doesn't dump the ball off to running backs as much Taylor 
may struggle to get consistent reception. So that's why I have him as RB9, but he's currently the consensus RB9, so I'm fine taking him where he's going. What wide receivers should we target in this room? It's, it's tough. I'm not the biggest Michael Pittman guy. I think he had chances to show things last year and just didn't quite break out the way that we needed him to to really take him high. He's currently my, like my wide receiver number 54 and um, wide receiver 47 on Fantasy Pros, so not a guy I'm targeting at all. Um, I guess Paris Campbell is my wide receiver 59. He might be the safer pick than Michael Pittman. So if you're looking for a desperation flex play at some point, he might not be bad, but he's always hurt, so it's kind of hard. But, I mean, when he's been on the field, I think he's consistently done some decent stuff, so there's that. Can Carson Wentz be fantasy relevant again is the last question. Yes, he can but I don't think he will be. I don't have him ranked in my fantasy rankings. Actually, I might put him in there at the very back, but he's nothing more than like a streaming option for me. So uh, yeah, it's not, I don't think he's going to be too fantasy relevant. He does have some rushing upside though. Jacksonville Jaguars. Where should you take James Robinson? He's currently my running back 15. So I would say a bit of a value at his, I think fantasy pros RB 19 price RB 18 actually. So um, yeah, I'm happy to take James Robinson where he's going. He's not going to be the James Robinson of last year. I kind of discussed this in the podcast a week or two ago, whenever it was that he's not going to be the James Robinson of last year. Carlos Hyde is going to get work. Urban Meyer added a running back for the reason that he doesn't want James Robinson to be a workhorse for whatever reason. I mean, it's not necessarily that he won't be a workhorse, but he will not have the same incredibly high snap share like he did last year. So I think he slots in nicely behind that high upside explosive guy like DeAndre Swift and a solid guy like Chris Carson, um, I wouldn't mind moving Robinson behind Carson, but Robinson's a very good player. He can catch passes. He can run the ball. I think he's probably slightly better than Chris Carson in that regard, especially because Carson has some injury problems occasionally. How high should Trevor Lawrence go? This is an interesting question. I've got Trevor Lawrence as my quarterback 15. I think his rushing upside is, especially with quarterbacks in that range, is something that you won't necessarily find. He can get you 300, 400 yards. He has a good arm too. I'll put him behind Ryan Fitzpatrick and ahead of Baker Mayfield. He's got that upside. He's got a pretty safe floor too. So good solid pick for quarterback. How are we evaluating this wide receiver room? Last thing. Um, I talked about this last week on the show. Marvin Jones is the wide receiver one here. My wide receiver 37 DJ Chark, my wide receiver 38. So um, I think Marvin Jones, the free agent signing that urban Meyer went out and got is going to be the guy that the rookie Trevor Lawrence relies on. Uh, Jones currently going as wide receiver 46 Chark at wide receiver 38. So I would much rather have Jones at his value for sure. And then I guess if you're talking LaVisca Chenault, um, I don't mind LaVisca. I, he's got some upside. I just think people are banking on him a little bit too much to be good when, I mean, we haven't seen it from him yet. He's my wide receiver 46, consensus 41. So I don't hate him at all. Uh, Tennessee Titans. Is Derrick Henry worth a first round pick? Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, an early first-round pick is what the question said. Of course he's worth the first-round pick. He's worth the number four overall pick, I would say. I moved Alvin Kamara up because with this Jameis Winston news and there's nobody around because Michael Thomas is hurt, I think Kamara has more up, like has a lot of upside and um, has a higher ceiling than Derrick Henry, um, especially because Derrick Henry rushed for 2,000 yards last year and was still like the RB3. I think Derrick Henry is still very, very safe. He not probably won't hit 2,000 yards again, but the fact that he stays healthy – and just the fact that he is a statistical outlier who is incredibly efficient and also gets a ton of carries, is, he's fine for me. In full PPR, maybe he's lower, but half PPR, I will take him. He averaged 20.2 fantasy points per game in half PPR 
Um, and for reference, Zeke's 2019 season, Ezekiel Elliott averaged 17.8 fantasy points per game. So that's enough of a gap to where if, even if Henry sees a bit of regression, I'll still take him over Zeke. So he's my number four overall pick. How do we evaluate the A.J. Brown-Julio Jones split? I think this doesn't hurt A.J. Brown necessarily too much. It just hurts his target ceiling because I was one of the believers who thought that if A.J. Brown got, if they didn't add anyone, then A.J. Brown could have been like leading the league in targets or close to it and ha- could have had a shot at the fantasy wide receiver one position. I don't think he has that shot anymore, but he can still be incredibly efficient. He's great after the catch. That's where he um, makes his money and makes his fantasy points. So he's my wide receiver five. I'm very happy to have him on my team. Uh, and Julio Jones, or I would be, Julio Jones is my wide receiver 18. So mid-tier wide receiver two. I know he struggled with injuries last year, but that usually has not been a problem for him in the past. He's just getting old, and he's not going to be the same dominating Julio that he once was. He's no longer the first read in an offense anymore. Uh, last question. Is Ryan Tannehill legit? If you have heard the show at all through the first 89 episodes, you would know the answer is yes. I have Tannehill as my quarterback nine. With A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, he could become one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league. He is an early candidate to, even in a fluky touchdown rate stat, it, like he might be one of the best bets to lead the league in touchdown rate. He's currently the fantasy pros quarterback 10. He will could lead it in yards per attempt also, or get close to near the top of the league in a dot average depth of target. He's got two deep ball guys. Ryan Tannehill is going to be great. And he doesn't even need to throw the ball that much to be great, which is going to be awesome, but they will throw the ball more this year. So Ryan Tannehill is looking nice for your fantasy team. If you have him. All right, that wraps up the show. That was a short one. So go check out the AFC West show if you want a longer one. I had a great guest on there. So make sure to check it out. And uh, yeah, follow us on Twitter at SGF pod for updates at Calvin underscore SGF. It's my handle at Chris underscore SGF. You can follow Chris at SG sports talk is um, where you can find the live show. Chris and I, Chris will make be making his return to the shows, presumably for an NFL season predictions episode. So follow at SG sports talk for when that episode is going to be. I think it's going to be a bonus to the regular live show. So very, very, very exciting. But yeah, the plan is to get Chris on that show and he'll be back and he's excited. So thank you guys for listening. Go check out the AFC West preview. I'll see you guys for the uh, week one fantasy preview. You'll hear about all the old segments from last year and then. I'll recap my 10 bull takes. So thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next time.